Knockout Ginger, episode 56. I'm in my parents' basement. The Jets can't win a game. Had a scheduling mix-up tonight, so it's just me. And I can't play you any music because my computer is only playing the right side of all the audio. So that's where we're at. And I'm going to do, uh, I'm just going to do a clip show today. So I'm just going to put in a bunch of clips from old episodes and uh, you're going to like it or that's what's going on. Um, That's it. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. F all the haters. But Robin took me around to play vi- uh, arcade games ah, at okay. uh, some bar. Tonton, Tonton Club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sent me some pictures, actually. Of the taiko drums? The Japanese, yeah, yeah. taiko drums. <laughs> he, he has the, there's this game, there's this Japanese game where something's happening on the screen and we don't know because we don't, we can't read Japanese what's going on in the game and there's a big there's a big plastic table and you have to flip the table you just push the table up and what happens we don't know but robin has the highest score (laughs) (laughs) so you just like it seems like you have to figure out what the people are doing Uh in the scene on the screen and then you have to flip the table. You have to kind of guess. You have to flip the table and see when they would get the most angry. Oh. It's very bizarre. So, like, people are at a funeral and they're all crying. And then you come in and you flip the table <laughs> and you just, like, get a bunch of points. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. And Robin's got the highest score. And you still don't understand no. what this game is about? <laughs> no. Uh, who are you playing with in Spain? Uh, my band. Nice. How long have you had this band? Uh, Since last April. No, officially from last April. Mm. We did a competition in the Netherlands. But before, yeah, we, uh, I played with this quintet since my graduation concert. Great. So it's been two and a half years. Do you have a record with this band? Yeah, I have one. So this is the one that I've heard. This is on... All of the streaming things, yeah. right? Yeah. So I've heard this one. Allison sent it to me when we were talking about asking you mm. to do this. And like immediately I was like, yep, okay. I could just, t- I had a feeling that the way, I just had a f- good feeling about you and Robin playing together. Mm. And I think it worked out even better than I, that Eindhoven show was one of my favorite shows in a very long time. I had so much fun. Yeah, me too. There were like seven people. (laughs) Whatever. It didn't matter. Yeah. We don't need them. It was really fun. Um, The recording sounds pretty great also. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. We're going to do it again, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I can figure out some funding. Who Who will come? Yeah. Who needs it, though? Figure it out on my own. (laughs) I'll do it myself. (laughs) Exactly. Um... Nobody's going to help you out. Yeah, exactly. Do it yourself. That's why I'm doing this also. More stuff to... Just more stuff to put on the internet for to bother people with. Mm-hmm. To That's prove great. that we all exist. I'm also doing that. Which? <laughs> Not podcast, though. No. <laughs> Just <laughs> bothering people mm-hmm. by posting a lot of stuff. We should talk about your band. No. 
Um, I think I asked you yesterday when we had a failed car podcast if you could hear the difference between um, cities in this area, people from different cities. Yeah. Then I said yes. But I don't know. It's just with some people. Yeah. Just with some people. Yeah, definitely a generalization. Yeah. It's not uh, with everyone, of course. Just there's sometimes people that <clears throat> copy their teacher so much that you can immediately tell, like, oh, they studied there, or like, oh, they that right symbol sounds a bit like Erik Inike. That's definitely the Hague, or like uh, he uh, he moves his head like uh, his drum teacher in Rotterdam. <laughs> right. That was the thing. Like I remember a lot of uh, uh, students uh, that were. Uh, studying drums in Rotterdam. There's this great drummer, Hans van Oster, out there. And um, he sometimes had this move that he would like hit a cymbal, but then stop a little bit, you know, like delay it a bit and then hit it. And then I remember going to a session and I would just see three drummers in a row do the same move. <laughs> what do you mean, like before or after uh, the hit? Or delay the hit in general. Yeah, just like, you know, their their arm is ready to hit the cymbal. Yeah. And let's say uh, you would hit it like it's going to happen on the on the fore end or something. And then they, they stop and they open their mouth and they're like, ah, and then they hit it later right. or something. Yeah. And I always felt like uh, that was a clear thing of the, that what my teacher was doing all the time. I feel like that's a Brian Blade thing also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe it's all from Brian Blade. It could be... <laughs> Uh, he does it with a smile. <laughs> yeah. If you had a, if you had to make a list of like five or ten drummers from Holland that you think are like the the drummers that other people should all know, who would that be? Wow. Um. Good one. Ten is a lot, though. Yeah. Well, one of my teachers uh, always made a big impact on me, Martijn Fink. Um, He's just, like, a great all-round drummer. You can put him anywhere. He plays with Metropole, Brussels Jazz Orchestra, but also Laura Laura Movela or Mm -hmm. something, like pop stuff. And it always sounds good. But he always plays what's needed. Yeah. You know, like... uh, uh, but then he also plays in a in a rock band, like now one of the biggest uh, rock singers of Holland, and it also sounds great. So I always like that if people are super versatile. Yeah. And then there's a couple of jazz guys that I think always sound great. Uh, Joost Patoka. Um, <laughs> <and> I pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then there's young guys as well. Oh, that's a tricky, huh? I should make a list. Uh, Erik Ineke he's the older generation mm-hmm. but it's like <clears throat> I think I enjoy listening to him even more now now uh, because when I, there was a period that I was younger I was like he always hits his cymbal so loud and everything is just like uh, push swinging yeah. but now when I listen to it I really enjoy it because it's such a clear style it's you can immediately hear it's him mm. 
and it does work it does swing and it's yeah it's still a joy to listen to him um and it's not you know maybe when i was younger i only looked at people i want to sound like him right now mm-hmm. and now i just listen to i mean if i enjoy it doesn't mean that i want to sound the same i just enjoy it um who else there must be so many people uh who are your biggest influences just in general um yeah it's always different times now i do listen to the young guys a lot the young young lions yeah <laughs> um like justin brown marcus gilmore uh uh there's this young guy jeremy dutton uh big fan yeah i really uh really enjoy his playing um crack wine rip uh jeremy and i were at at the same time ah cool so i played with him here and there yeah a couple times yeah i've never met him i actually mostly know him from recordings and i don't know again he has a sound that are like it's easy to identify it's mm-hmm. like um very fresh very modern um you know and it's like the basic amp answer and i think for almost every jazz drummer of course all the old heroes inspired you know that's what you listen to all the time and still every time you hear it you're like oh shit how's that (laughs) it's still great (laughs) yeah i did my research on billy higgins uh, my uh my masters um on mostly about his uh, ornette coleman period also because i want to get a bit more into that scene that free scene check it out and maybe understand it better Mm -hmm. And that time I lived in Copenhagen and I was playing free a lot. And yeah, I enjoyed like, you know, like drummers like Paul Motion. They're just so amazing that they, just like what I enjoyed with Brian Blade, they they play so musical because they give so much space to everyone as well. Like they make, make everything sound great. Mm-hmm. Just like every hit counts. Uh, Andrew Downing just got a set of Genslers. What? Yeah. New ones? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Explain these this strings. Go they're, I don't really even know. Like, they're basically a gut string with certain kinds of fancy wraps. So, like, does he even make a plain gut? I've never played a plain gut of his. It's like wrapped gut strings. And he used to work for another company that was, or that still is making strings. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of, I guess he figured some stuff out and went out on his own. He's in, he's in Germany? Did he work for? He worked for Garbo or Velvet. For Velvet. I didn't know if we were allowed to say all these. Velvet's you know. fucking me. Oh, really? Are you having a time with the Garbos? Yeah. They're, uh... We should just have... We should... No. <laughs> let, let's... Sometime we'll do a bass... We'll do a bass just chat. strings. Um, we'll get, like, four bass players and That would be a fun one. No offense. <laughs> You're not having a good time, Mark? I'm having a great time. It's just really easy to, like, go down that rabbit hole. Should we say it on here? Yeah. Who do we, uh... <laughs> I mean, how many do we want? Did you go to that show on Monday? Mm-hmm. Was it good? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Maybe we should uh, crack those beers. Oh uh, yeah, do it. Uh, that man, that. Oh, that boy. can't go in. Oh, bud. Um. Oh shit! Here we are. Moving away sort of taught me how awesome it is here. Like mm. going to another city and just and having people ask me about people that I see at the wrecks like once a week, you know, like mm. people asking me about Terry Clark and yeah. Ed Bickert and Larnell and Rich Brown. And it's like, oh, yeah, these people are the best. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's yeah, man. You know, so. Yeah, I don't think any gripe I have about music in Toronto is about the musicianship or the caliber of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the, the level of musicality is always very, very high here. And that's something I'm appreciative of because um, it pushes me to get my shit together too. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I do know. It's like... Uh... this whole shutdown thing has like amplified it for me like mm. getting being in that position of seeing essentially hearing music every night at the Rex when I'm at work mm. um post shutdown or how to when we reopened for a bit <laughs> everyone was coming back after like six months off and they like everyone was just breathing fire like everyone was it just everyone sounded like fresh they were in the shed for the whole time like it was just like a super inspiring mm -hmm. bounce back and that made me hit the shed even harder this time like i've been it's like all i've been doing yeah man beautiful that's great um so we just so people are on the same page we you were doing a um a weekly at the rex I was, yeah. And then you were playing there with other people like once or twice. So I was seeing you like a couple times a week for that period of time. About a month. For about a month. And like, uh, but like literally every single time you played at the Rex, you sounded better. Which oh, is man. the most incredible thing to watch with someone. Like watching them put in work and then show up and just be more killing each time is like, <laughs> it's like the most it's the best part of this thing. Like watching people mm. figure their shit out. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I was like really, uh, I feel like that's how I get better is by playing and listening to what happened on the gig and what worked and what didn't work and, and like playing more and playing and playing and play like, man, I mean, I don't know. I, you're your own worst critic, but I felt, I feel as though I was like really sad the summer after my second year like it just like wasn't work. whatever I was doing I don't know I just wasn't happening for me and then that summer I like play it's it felt like I was playing every night and I feel like that's how I got better it's just by playing gig after gig after and like you know what I mean like figuring that out but hey thank you man that means a lot coming from you especially like I just you know I I felt like I got a lot better in like what August and September however long the Rex was open just because I was like playing there like three or four times a week and like it felt also like the music man like 
because we hadn't had that opportunity in months, like, I felt like I was like, I'm not taking this for granted. Like I need to, I need to play. I, I need to play. Yeah. Man. I need to play. Like that's kind of how I was feeling um, in that time. And it's messed up now. Cause like, I don't want to do any, like I want to play the bass so bad that I can't cause of my finger, man. Like, so it's just like, ah, trying to stay positive in that is such a pain. Um, but you know, it could be much worse. So, but yeah, dude, thank you. Looking back, that's like the watching a band that often, a regular band, mm-hmm. even just watching being in the audience is like such an incredible experience. You learn so much. A- absolutely. So. Well, you, well, you learn a lot being in a band right. that gets to play exactly, that yeah. regularly, obviously. Uh, and, and, you know, and as you probably discovered as perhaps a witness to it, that hearing it many times you probably started to realize that there were many histories on those tunes and new things yet to be discovered because we, we basically played a very uh, similar repertoire all those years mm. which in which was actually in a lot of ways wonderful because it kind of force forces one to keep the conversation going right keep expanding and keep finding new things you know I mean they're, they're obviously advantages and disadvantages to all approaches but that particular band i I felt that that was an advantage that that we got to really get into some material for a long stretch of time and get really deep with it um so were you so even though the the band was putting out records you would still kind of go back to the same music for oftentimes that's cool you probably noticed that certain songs pretty much appeared regularly. Yeah, I mean, you know, some things would come in and out. Some th- some things, uh, my memory of it is that some of the tunes were always, they were there every time we mm-hmm. played. Some of the tunes were there most of the time. Some of the tunes would make occasional appearances. Or one might be in the rotation for a while, and somehow it would leave the rotation naturally, and mm-hmm. then maybe it would come back later on. Right. And you probably also remember we played really long on those tunes. Yeah. Like, like we would play maybe three or four songs a set. Yeah. Not usually more than that. I mean, it'd be rare to have five songs in a set. And that was also fun because a lot of stretching happened, you know, like mm-hmm. can you sustain the energy for that long? Keep yeah. it going. Yeah. It, it like looking back, it's like the That's like my favorite thing about New York. Those experiences. Well, we're lucky. Well, even I mean, I would just simply say that we're lucky that that experience happened even in New York where it can happen because not everybody gets that experience. Right. Yeah. To be able to have a regular gig. Yeah. It's it's starting to happen here more often now. A lot of people have weekly residencies at a lot of places. So we're seeing that pop up here a little more. That's wonderful. I I would encourage everybody who gets one of those to dig deep yeah. push yourself and enjoy the ride because you never know when it may not be there right so yeah. if, if you can you know I mean as I say we, we played the same repertoire or similar repertoire most of the time but and that could be the right path for some bands for some other bands it might be great to have new material on a regular basis I don't mm-hmm. know yeah. a lot of different ways to do things yeah that's true My yeah I'm in a similar boat I'm not sure if it's by it might just be uh, lack of work ethic, but my band's been playing the same same music for quite a while. 
which isn't I, bad. I but I don't think I think as long as the conversation keeps expanding, yeah, that's true. Or, the, or that the possibilities keep expanding, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. Yeah. As long as long as there's a growth mindset, I think that's totally fine. Right. I, I mean, I could. You know, you could say the same. I, I'm playing the piano at every gig. That's, I mean, yeah. I, I could say, well, you didn't change instruments at every gig. You know, I mean, you, you know right. what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. right? So I, I think some of it, some some of it could be a maybe a state of mind or a philosophical approach or True. conceptual approach. I mean, there, there's definitely always room to grow, even on something you've been playing your whole life. Right. I mean, I've been playing jazz since I was 12. So and I still play F blues, for instance, like a blues and F. Yeah, there's still something to be found on a blues and F, even though it might be something very common. Everywhere you look, there's people who used to watch Full House. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. Um, Full House is one of those ones that just has zero redeeming qualities in 2019. Oh yeah, like. You know, I watch like certain shows. Fuller House on Netflix is. Yeah, I heard it was one of the worst things that's ever happened. I disagree. <laughs> really? No, no, no. Yes. It's, 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 it's so horrific. Even I, I couldn't. Like, it's one of those things. Like, how how crazy is it that like Aunt Becky is like looking at my, time? My like, my favorite. Like really looking at so, time. So my sister occasionally sends me like. The only memes that, like, so Joel and I basically have a steady stream of memes going back and forth all day long, every day. Um, but the only memes my sister ever has sent me have been related to Full House and Saved by the Bell, because they were both shows we used to watch. And so uh, so when that happened, um, <laughs> she sent me a meme that was a picture of, like, you know, old school Uncle Jesse, and it said, like, um, you know, is anyone, does anyone else wonder whether Uncle Jesse is going to show up at the sentencing and beg the judge to have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I read that it said something about her like blaming her husband. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was her husband. I think that was the the thing. What? Like That was like objectively true. I are think. they both in trouble? Like I'm assuming it's just we only hear about the famous person. Yeah, I assume that's the case. But who knows? If like only she's going to jail, that is like kind of fun. But up. also it's not even remotely interesting. So I just I haven't read up on the details. I don't know. Like rich famous people actually going to jail is always yeah, interesting like, to me. Fucking <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's true. That's true. But uh Yeah, just like like white folks given every single advantage in the book and then still mm -hmm. buying more advantages you know it's like and then like and then like the idea of them actually being punished for that is like shocking yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so yeah the meme thing is funny like i was thinking as you said that about your sister like there's totally people in my life that are like general meme friends where we just send each other memes yeah but then there's other people where it's only very specific <laughs> like like my friend Mark Godfrey, we only send each other memes that involve Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's always like Hulk Hogan with an acoustic guitar. Anyway, here's Wonderwall, brother. <laughs> Shout out Mark Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to be episode one. But something happened and we still haven't. Really? Yeah, it's because he's a flake. Is it because he's an asshole? A fucking yeah. asshole. You ask him to do something and he's, the first thing he's trying to figure out is how to be too good to do that thing. 
Right. You know? And he yeah. also doesn't sound very The thing good. is, is that... Can't it, play the bass, but he sure can big time your po- your podcast just to stick it to you. Let's be real. He's too good for most things. Yeah. It's <laughs> too good to be a good friend. <laughs> I feel like there's some baggage attached here. Sorry, Mark. None of this, uh, you know. I was in Banff with him when his leg was broken. I really? carried his base every goddamn day. Was it broken by an elk? No, he broke his he broke his leg like right before we were leaving to go to Banff. Remember when and he still got, went like, gored by an elk? Yeah, that was that was crazy. We were in Banff, and my friend Dana, who's an amazing pianist in New York, and the first person I met at Banff that I didn't already know, and he totally got charged by an elk. It was like a thing they warned us about. Like we were there in a time of year where like the moms are calving or something, and so they'll just charge you if you get too close. But he didn't even like he wasn't like being an idiot or anything. He just literally was walking between two buildings. No, there are elk elk. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah. I did it a couple years ago and I didn't really see any elk unless we were down in the city. Right. Or the the town, whatever. Yeah. Like you did the the three week workshop thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How'd you enjoy it? (sighs) Man. I had a good time at Banff. Yeah. Uh I, I found it went in a, a sort of a curve. The first week was incredible. The second week was kind of terrible. The third week was incredible. Yeah. Like the second I, week I was of, rough for me. I remember, I remember like something about being out there for three weeks. Like it just takes a lot of energy. So I remember like just the energy level and morale was pretty low. Second week. Yeah. Cause you're not like, like, you're not getting more than four or five hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah every night too like i remember getting yeah hitting a real kind of low point of depression in like the in middle. the second week and then because yeah. you're also like i mean i don't know if you have these insecurities but for me it was like everyone here is better than me like i should quit like i don't yeah. like i don't belong in the upper echelon of music and therefore i shouldn't be a musician at all and then i you know and then I just got over it somehow and just was like, us, oh, but I just like doing this, right? Like, yeah. It was, was rough for us because a lot of people really didn't like each other. Oh, really? It was like a, there was some, it was tough. Like that, they, we they actually kind of had the opposite. Like everyone, like, everyone really liked each other. There were like little flare ups, but no, it was definitely like a love fest. I had some like totally life changing experiences out there, but I also had a lot of like, there were moments where I was like, I, I flew out here mm-hmm. for, to, 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 for this, for this shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but just like people being just mean to each other just for like, like the vibe was thick. It's that's amazing. So interesting. That's man. really, that's really super interesting. Cause it, cause it was so not like that when we were there. Uh, I mean, the, uh, I think there were definitely people who felt like less accepted than other people. Like I'm sure yeah. there were things like that where people yeah, felt yeah. like they weren't belonging as much as others or whatever, but there was no like straight up animosity. Yeah. yeah. I was, I mean the, uh, yeah, for me it was like, it was totally life changing cause I was still in Winnipeg at that point. So like I hadn't even interacted with that level of like musicians at that point, you know, like here and there, but not like, not an actual like big group of people. And I was like, 
<laughs> damn, I want to be surrounded by great music. I mean, that was part of like the reason why I decided to go to school and move to New York and everything. Yeah. But it, it was really funny, like being in a environment in Winnipeg where most people like didn't want to be jazz musicians necessarily, even if they were in like jazz school, they didn't necessarily want to be jazz musicians. And I was like, damn, I need to like be at a school where I'm surrounded by jazz musicians. And I went to and like was surrounded by mm-hmm. you know jazz students all day long and i was like fuck this is terrible as well right like, yeah <laughs> yeah was like this is also yeah oh, this is also not good yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a weird it's one. just one of those like grass is greener situations where i kept thinking that like some other environment is the environment i need and then i was like actually well yeah because i'm gonna do either way you know it's it's hard when you experience these kind of like artificially heightened experiences because you know you can't like take the, all of that back to your day to day. Yeah. But like it was a turning point for me too. And that like, I was like kind of just at the beginning of like becoming sort of professionalized as a musician and sort of losing that thing of like, I'm a jazz musician and I like want to create and want to do things. I was just kind of getting to that point where I was like, I'm like working and playing gigs to pay my rent. And I feel like if I hadn't gone to Banff, I might just be like, a real just kind of jobber guy who doesn't do anything else. Not that right, I'm not right. still doing that stuff, but I feel no, like... No, but like without trying to do your own... I feel like Banff kind of like kept this thing going in me where it's like, you gotta... I want to do more than just like play Bruno Mars songs to yeah, put yeah, food yeah. in my fridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you check out that, that Dave Frischberg song I sent you? Yes. <laughs> that shit is hilarious. It was so good. And hit, like the piano playing is killing. Dude. Yeah, no, no. It's really yeah. good. That's what I mean. Like it's like a really good song, but it's like, so, you know, Dave Frischberg? No. So he's like, so he wrote like all these like, kind of like campy songs in the 70s, but they're like really like musically killing. Sorry. Um, worst. Answer it, Ant. Ant. <laughs> answer the phone? I don't, <laughs> who is it? Yo, Donnie, what's up? Banff was amazing for me yeah. for that reason, like just being around. I mean, and a lot of my first gigs in New York were actually with people I met at Banff. Yeah. A lot of them I don't play with at all anymore or even see. But like when I first got to the city, it was like some people really helped me out. And, yeah, uh, I've definitely had some Banff relationships that have carried on. Yeah, some people I still work life. with. Uh, Sam Newfeld is doing all my video shit for right. my record. So like you know, we met at Banff, you know, he was there for trumpet, but yeah. killing like photographer good, like and videographer as well. He's one of those guys that just like picks a thing and becomes very good at very it. Very good at it. Right, um, right. Y'all cool. That's right. I have like a, I have a handful of people that I, that I met in Banff that I will be like playing with for the rest of my life. But not a lot of them like right um what i'm so curious about your year that like turned into like fucking lord of the flies you know it was like a lot of a lot of people came in there trying to play like a lot of people came in trying to just jazz their hearts out right so like every night the session like i think they played cherokee at the session at mac lab every night oh that's so funny it was so not the vibe at all like there was almost no one who was trying to do that and when there we was, were there. There was one night where, like, us, like, me and, like, the handful of other people who were, like, into playing improvised music, or I don't like the words, but... Whatever, but... Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. More, we, more, like, we more or less know what you mean. You're hanging yeah. out with yeah. the Scandinavian cats. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, all the Boston cats. Oh, yeah, okay, fair um, enough. But, like, we we got up to, to like, kind of do our thing one night at the session, and then, like, someone else came up and, like picked an instrument up that they didn't play and just like thought it was funny 
oh, and yeah. started playing with this us. It was like bullshit. a yeah. it was like a dark sort of thing. But also week one, like so something happened and there weren't enough drummers. So I was in Tyshawn's ensemble week one and he just played with us every day. So like Amazing. They're like the pros and cons are pretty extreme. Yeah. But Right. It's so funny. Our year, like... Tyshawn is, like, one of the most amazing musicians that ever watched. It's so crazy. Yeah. Like, our year had, like, definitely, like, a contingent of the, like, whatever you want to call it, free type guys. But, like, it was sort of just, like... It was really cool. Like, I feel like the people who weren't into that thing, like... Like, I definitely... By being around those guys, like, more, like, developed a respect for it I didn't previously have and, like, tried... Tried that hat on a bit and then, like... There were just a lot of people sort of writing their own music, and it was more like, it was more like everyone was just there to do like what they do. Yeah, and I definitely like I actually used it as an opportunity to do a whole bunch of shit that I don't normally do, and especially yeah. that I wasn't doing in Winnipeg. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, me so. too. There was also a vibe like I was one of the, I was one of the more further out people, and I wouldn't super describe myself as being that far out. Right. You know. Right, but that was like where the spectrum was. Yeah, at. yeah. No, like, wh- what was that like? Who was that like Scandinavian sax player cat who was like, like really out there? Do you remember this one too? Like, I remember. So, like, our group organized these like concerts where people were only playing in oh. duos and trios, and it was like everyone's just going to get up and play one song, either as a duo or trio, because like, or or as a solo, because a yeah, lot of people felt like. like a- they wanted an opportunity to play like their thing, but their thing wasn't necessarily like getting together with a quintet and busting out charts. It was like, yeah. right. So like we organized these like shorter concert series. And I remember this one guy was like, he played sax and he was like, I need 40 minutes. And everyone was like, well, you can't have 40 minutes. Like everyone needs to play. And he was like, well, I can't really like do what I do in less than 40 minutes Bruh, <laughs> like, i have less. like no recollection of this who was this guy I, as soon as i saw a picture of him i would know yeah but i'm just like i can't remember yeah. his name either but like but he, that, like, that he, was he, the, he, that was the concert where uh do you remember him doing this thing where he blew like a clarinet into a snare drum with a cymbal on it and it was just like vaguely crazy it was just like yeah like sonic oh okay kind okay. of shit yes he was from denmark him and there was a drummer with yeah. him as well. Yeah. And the drummer was like playing with chopsticks and shit like that. Like yeah, playing, yeah, yeah. you know, like had all like had all kinds of like cool sounds and shit that he brought with him and like you know. Um No, but that was the concert where Kevin Son and I played. Uh we got up, we said, Yeah, we're we'd like to play a... Because, like every, everything was like people would be like, Oh yeah, we base this composition on like, you know, like constellations and shit you know or we yeah this on the like some like string theory or yeah 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 exactly and especially because miles okazaki was there and so much of his stuff was like so was based on all this like you know like he had one song based on like a chinese magic square so like every bar was a different time signature based on the chinese magic square and shit like he had like a lot of like really cool ideas so we mm-hmm. so there was so much of that and by this it was like by the end of the second week or like third week or something and like it had been that you know the whole time so kevin son and i got up and we were like yeah we're gonna play a song that's based on you know the uh the new york city transit system you know and then we started playing take the a train <laughs> duo <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was great that was great nice oh yeah there's always so much love in the room yeah for the most part like the uh 
like a lot of the faculty was like really cool and really approachable and like didn't even want it to be like teacher student they were like mm -hmm. we're the visiting artists You're, you know yeah um i still remember like louis perdomo being like because the second week when i was like hella depressed i wasn't trying to do anything extra i was just like doing what i was doing i was also getting ready to record my first record like a week after that so like i was like writing all kinds of music and shit like and arranging and getting shit ready for that and uh i still remember Luis perdomo at the end of the second week being like it's like man you're like the only person i didn't play with you know <laughs> i'm like i'm sorry you know um but he was like just walking into people's rooms and like playing with them because he's just yeah. like we got like all these amazing musicians let's play you know like, yeah it was know. great i like played duo with him and yeah. like i remember we like played a tune and like the shit like finished at like a way slower tempo than it started right and i was like i was like yeah i'm, I'm i think i'm dragging like i and he's like it's good that you know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah Louise the shit though. I mean, so nice. I, I he was so him. nice about it. He's like yeah, yeah. he still found a a very positive way to like yeah. let me know that yes, you fucking dragged that motherfucker <laughs> into the dirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had met Louise in Winnipeg because he taught at the the yeah uh, jazz camp one year, but then we uh, yeah, I got to know him at Banff and everything. He's always been super cool whenever I ran into him in New York. I played with his wife a fair bit. I mean, not that much, but here and there. Uh, Mimi Jones, an amazing bass player and singer. So, yeah. Uh, I know they were. Yeah. Uh... Shit, I found a good find on Shazam this morning. I went to, I stopped by a coffee shop in your neighborhood just for some, some food. And they were just, they were playing like some bad shit. I'm like, like just, like just, just straight up jazz station or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn, what the fuck is this? And like, it was like, it was like, it sounds like Charlie Rouse. And sure enough, it was like Charlie Rouse. Right. It was like a Charlie Rouse solo record that I'd never heard of. Damn. You know, I've definitely like, pre I'm pretty sure I've, I don't think I've heard any Charlie Rouse outside of a Thelonious Monk context. Me. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm in the same position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he's like the best, like, He's like my favorite thing on Monk Records, though. Like, yeah, even maybe more than Monk. Like, obviously the tunes are the whole, and the vibe of Monk is the whole reason for everything. But like, I was always like really here for the Charlie Rouse solos. Oh yeah, yeah. no, Charlie Charlie Rouse was like the perfect perfect tenor player. Like, and and he had like all his amazing records with with Train and with Coleman Hawkins and with all these people. But like, mm -hmm. Charlie Rouse was just like the perfect cat. So the record. Was is called taking care of business, which is funny. <laughs> we're from Winnipeg. We're all from Winnipeg. It's called taking care of business. Uh, Every day. Uh, similar. I, I wonder if Randy Backman's gonna re-release this with some overdub solos. Oh my. Yeah. Speaking of like, you know, because we were talking about Eagle Eye Cherry, like there's a name. You, there's Eagle a name you don't have to believe. Is like is like uh, the tall Backman. <laughs> this like Randy Backman's son he had that song She's So High it's like that like, like that's Tall Backman that's Tall Backman that's that's uh, Randy Backman's son oh I see that's some Canadiana trivia I didn't yeah. even know and so hot um, damn you don't have to bleep me saying I fucking hate Randy Backman no though. yeah I, me neither <laughs> hey um, hey Randy you know Randy if you're listening <laughs> I got a problem <laughs> 
Because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. True story. Um, I think... I got an email from that one school asking for money, and I think I actually burst out loud laughing. Yeah. Like... Are you joking? Think about how much we gave them already. Yeah. And how much money do you think I'm making after going to your yeah. school? Like, like <laughs> what are you doing? Like, oh, this, it's, a, it's incredible how, like, they trick you into, like, being part of their business. Like, sure, there's benefits to everyone. Like, we learned it was a whole process being right. part of a community. But you get tricked into being a part of their business, and they assume that they can keep tricking you. Yes. After being there for, like, however many years. Yep. Like, they think you're not smart enough to uh, catch on to, like, the cluster fudge of, <laughs> like, the business side. Like, I don't it's know. It's true. It's Maybe they have to have more faith in themselves as an educational facility. And then, like, they'll realize that we'll, we're going to notice. Like, within a couple weeks of being there, we're <laughs> like, oh, wait, this is a business. Yeah. It's a giant corporation, but, but yeah, I don't know if we want to go down that path, but what school isn't? Uh, it's a great place to meet people. Yep. It's in a great place. Maybe uh, paying that much money to meet people is maybe... It's quite an expensive dating app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I met a lot of my, uh, I don't know. It's a good, uh, it's a good business plan. <laughs> and we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, I think they, um, welcome back to the nation's favorite podcast. 